L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hey, I'm Sarah Van Cleave, a biracial single mom adoptee raised by an all-white family. And I'm Caleb Scales, a proud gay man, restaurant savant, who will make the best flipping margarita you've ever had. And this is Othered, a podcast for those who feel different. Each episode, we'll be having conversations about racism, homophobia, holistic health, drinking, sex, drugs, yoga, 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 yoga. Yogurt. (laughs) This podcast comes out every Thursday for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you want bonus episodes, ad-free listening, discounts at our live events, and exclusive access to merch, then subscribe to LAS Plus. Go to LASpodcastnetwork.com slash plus to get started. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you, Sarah. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you, Kayla. Oh my God, I love that for us. I feel like I'm trying too hard now. You are, but I like it. Uh, ooh. Ooh. Caleb. Spicy. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> L-A-S. Hey, everyone. Alan here. We're so excited to share this next leg of our journey with you. And holy crap, is it a cool leg of the journey? If you are if you want to keep up with everything Miria, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Myths of Miria. If you enjoy the show, consider sharing it with your friends. Or if you have time, reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform is a great way to show your support. Also, if you want to show us even more support, head on over to lesmediagroup.com and sign up for LES Plus, which comes with a whole mess of bonus content, ad-free episodes, post-show wraps, and more. Thank you so much again for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us. And without further ado, welcome to Miria. Val, you see nothing before you. It's full white. Everything is gone. You peer out into the vastness of this space and you see brightness. But it's almost so bright that there's a normalcy in seeing this blinding light. It's calm. It's calm in the sense that it's nothing at all. You can't see anything in front of you. You look down and you can see your hands. You can see your feet. But there's no perception of up, down, a wall, a floor. You can't hear anything. It's almost like a sensory deprivation chamber. There's very little to perceive here. There's very little to do here. You look in the distance, extremely far away, maybe like 10 minutes later. It takes forever for this to happen. It feels like a lifetime. And you see them, them, walking in, walking out of the white, far away. They walk towards you for what seems like forever. You think you're watching them for minutes and minutes and minutes on end, almost like a half hour, they walk slowly towards you, calm, collected. 
you see a lithe, ashen, white-skinned elven woman. She's got black eyes and white locks pulled back and flowing down her shoulders. She's got a half-mask covering the top of her face. Black, horns like that of a ram attached to it. She's wearing black lipstick. She has a feathered plume around her neck. Black feathers laced with small bones of things that you're not sure of. She's got a high-collared cloak that descends into wispy shadow. As it goes towards the ground, it almost like falls into this liquid darkness. And the last thing you see on her is that she has a gold necklace that holds in it a coin, a golden coin, on her chest. She walks up to you, and she doesn't speak. She just stands there for a moment, looking at you. She extends her hand, and you you look into her eyes. There's nothing there. There's, like, just all black in her eyes. You feel this kind of, like, twist and uncomfort in your chest. You see her cock her head to the side a little bit, and then the pain stops. The uncomfort stops. You look down, and you see that she has her hand in your chest cavity. It doesn't hurt, though. You see as she pulls her hand out, dripping with your blood, and you see your heart leave your chest. She holds it up in front of her, and she inspects it, turning it back and forth. You can still see it moving, beating in her hand. It pulsates, moving her fingers. She walks away, turning completely away from you. The only thing left in this space are the specks of blood that fall from your heart as she holds it walking away from you, creating a path away. Um, excuse me, I I think I need that. She turns around and looks at you as if she didn't expect you to talk. She looks down at the heart one more time. And she turns around and starts walking away again. Um, I reflectful, reflexfully yep. reach for my belt for where the deck would be. You reach down to your belt and it's it's there. Um, I'm gonna whip a card past her, not trying to hit her. I just yeah. wanna try to like warning shot. You try and whip a card out, and as you do, it catches the wind, or it catches the air and just flutters to the ground. Your uh, your like throwing doesn't succeed. I throw like two more. You go and they both flutter into the air around you. They they maybe travel two feet. She continues to walk away. I pick them up, I guess. You lean down, you pick up these cards. Some of them have gotten in the blood on the ground. You pick them up, they smear across whatever surface is here. You're really not sure what it is. But you you watch as she 
continues going. And she holds it up into the sky. Sky? Maybe sky. You're not sure. But as she does, the vision of this place changes. Her arm becomes the towering spike of one of the steeples of the church of Evanvale. As the vision around you completely changes, you're now standing in the streets of Evanvale. You stare up at the towering church. You still feel your heart. It's, it's odd. You don't really notice the beating of your heart until it's gone. That's the weird thing. Your body has become so used to it at this point that it not being there feels almost like you're on a ship and it's rocking back and forth and you're not sure how to adjust. You look down at the ground and there's blood on the streets of Evanvale, same places where your heart dripped. You stare up at the towering church. What do you do? Um... Well, realizing that the the deck isn't doing anything, I mm-hmm. put it back and awkwardly fumble for my dagger. You look around your belt, and you, you do find your dagger. It is there. And I, I wield it, like, <laughs> as if I've never held it before, uh, and approach. I'm going to look around. What does Ebonvale look like? So there's blood? It's There's blood on the ground, but it is a ghost town. No one is here. Zero people. I will follow weird half-mask lady. She, when she lifted her hand, she became the church. Oh, shit. She's not So there she's just anymore. gone. She's gone. Yeah. Um, like the church, like the vision of the church overlaid her and she ceased to exist. And my heart with it? Your heart is gone. Oh, beans. Uh, I feel like that's important. You, Val. you look around and then all of a sudden you are standing on the edge of Ebonvale. And... You're like looking over the cliff mm-hmm. and you look down at a vast graveyard off the edge. Down off the side of the city, you see a lone man in a red hood and guard leather standing at a grave there, snow falling over the graves. I will. Do I recognize this person? Um, It looks like Caius's hood. Yeah, I will. How far down is it? It's incredibly far. Like, it's ah, off the these. side of the cliff. Um, I will... Can I go into the cathedral? Does the door open? You turn around to go to the cathedral, and you... As you turn, the ground feels weird. You take a step, and you realize you're stepping into grass instead of the stone that you were just on. And you realize you, you look up at the cathedral, and it's now on the cliff above you. It's very disorienting. You, you turn back around, you realize you're now standing in the graveyard. Oh, shit. I run to Caius. You turn around and you run towards Caius. He's just staring down at a gravestone. He's your one true father figure standing over this grave the grave reads, Valros Visago, the seventh of Eliases, one six seven colon five, to the second of Marpanoth, one eight seven colon five. And the bottom of that says, 
the last true Visago of the city of Ebonvale. Um, I want to try and get his attention, see if I can. What do you do? Uh, I'll just wave hand in front of his face, wave the knife. You wave your hand and the knife in front of his face, and you kind of expected it, but yeah. nothing, it, nothing seems to pierce his vision. You see him look down at the grave, and he kind of kneels. Um, I'm going to try and take the dagger. I want to scrape on the... I want to see if I can scrape onto the grave. You grab the dagger and you scrape on the grave and you hear this grinding sound as some of the chunks of the the stone are removed. Caius, at this moment, is laying down a pack of golden cards on the top of the grave and he sees this and he kind of looks around in this confused state and he just shakes his head and he says looking at the deck of cards well friend when I see you again in the next life this time you're dealing and he just sits there and he starts to sob um, I'm I'm right here. Uh, let's. Um, I'm gonna try and scrape a message into the stone since you, he seemed. What do you try and scrape? Um. Uh, I'm here. Okay. Um, roll me a dexterity check. Oh yeah, flipping cards. Nat twenty. Nat twenty. Very nice. You start to scrape this in incredibly fast. You realize that your current, your current interaction with the world around you has been odd and jarring and swiftly changing Mm -hmm. so you go as quick as you can it's not incredibly deep but you scratch very swiftly I'm here into the top of the gravestone you see Caius look up and his eyes focus on the gravestone and you just hear him say what and then it's working immediately you look down and you are standing in the mausoleum. No, oh, fuck! The ocean rushes below you. You walk forward and you see the sunset of the day that you found her. And it meets your eyes as the ocean clashes upon the shore beneath you. Um, dream logic. Val kind of, I breathe, and I jump. You jump, and you hear from behind you, Val, as her screams from behind you as you jump off the cliff. Oh, shit. (laughs) You turn around, and you would have seen her, but you jumped. You fall onto your back. Hard cement. You look up and you see a massive city glamoured in clouds floating in the sky on some massive stone behind you. A massive black dragon flaps its wings, aiming directly towards you. Wait, what was the city? 
It's a giant floating city in the clouds. Nothing you've ever seen. It's it's completely surrounded by these white wisps of, of uh, condensation and cloud. Huh. This dragon bears down upon you, and just as it's about to meet you, this flash of lightning occurs. Your vision changes again. You see a gigantic, hundreds of feet tall, dying tree. You see in front of you a field of golden grain. A single man walking behind an ox, the ox pulling a plow. It's Orion. Orion, as you know, was a farmer in his days before this, before you met him. He wipes his head. He's still in this summer form, or in this, in this fall form, sorry, where he has these oranges and reds that lace over top of him. His hair is this bright red. He turns towards you. He says to you, You know what, Val? I think one of the questions I will always be sad that I never got answered is what could you and I have grown together? Can, can you see me? He looks at you and these tears start to fall from his eyes. You see them collide with the ground and the grain as they hit, it's almost like a flood washes over them. The grain sprouts up and becomes full and hardy. As it does, the tree behind him, hundreds of feet tall, maybe a mile in the distance, ignites into flame. It is burning and dying. He keeps crying. The crops before him start to grow more and more. I walk to him? Can You walk forward and you start to get your feet caught in the muck. All of the dirt where all of the plants are growing is now completely thick mud. Your feet get stuck as you move. He looks up at the tree. the fire erupts outwards it turns green and as it does the tree turns into a pillar of black stone a tower of shadow pierces the sky on top of a cragged mountain green light blares out from behind it Orion's gone the grain is gone. Everything's gone. Your shoes are covered in mud. You see a path carved in the mountain that ends at your feet. About 50 feet in front of you, a purple-skinned tiefling walks away. She has curling horns that protrude from the front of her head. Um, I run toward who I know must be mom. Yeah, you, you run all the way over towards her, and she, as you see, is walking up this path. 
towards this tower of shadow. She beams at this light of green. The cuts underneath her eyes still there. You walk in front of her and she smiles at you. And you hear her say, My boy, have you finally come to join me? Have you finally come to the place of your calling? Do you finally hear her voice? Um, mom, is, is that, can, can you really see me or are you just talking to air or to the tower? I see you, darling, I see you. I don't know where I am. Uh, everything keeps changing very quickly. Um, um, ha, um, and, uh, <laughs> Valoros, Valoros. And she puts a hand on your shoulder. Can you hear her voice? No. I, I hear nothing. Her smile fades as the words that come out of your mouth meet her ears. She realizes, even here, in the presence of it all, beyond the world that you knew, you still have not heard the voice of Demia. The city from on top of the tower, or the the light from on top of the tower, flares out and blinds you. Your mom tries to grasp your shoulder, but you are yanked away from her. You fall. You fall backwards. Gravity changes. What was once horizontal is now gravitationally pulling. You, it, it's like walking forward or backwards is now where down is. You fall through darkness. It becomes pitch black, no longer able to discern which way is up or down. As you fall, you see cards gigantic, ten feet tall, fall down in this space around you and line up in a perfect circle. You only see the backs. There is this odd kind of swirling green back to them, and they all flip around one by one. All of them are tarot cards. Every single one is the kings and queens of every suit. And there are two major arcana cards. Number 14, Temperance. And number 12, The Hanged Man. Do I know anything about these cards? You do know that um, generally the kings and queens are the cards of power of those suits. Um... 14 temperance I mean it's pretty self-explanatory um, <laughs> but the hanged man is oftentimes associated with someone who makes the greatest sacrifice for what they perceive to be the greatest success they can achieve whether it is inverted or not is up to which way you're falling hmm I'll fall the way that it isn't inverted. I'll try and, like, spin myself. Okay. You turn around and you aim yourself so it's not inverted. And as you do, you stare up and the cards start to burn away in golden fire. You continue to fall, but as you do, you stare up and you see clouds. 
you fall and fall, and then you feel a sharp stabbing in your back. The spike of one of the steeples of the Church of Ebonvale impales you as you fall on top of it. Blood spears out of you. You, it's, you've never felt anything like it. Your spine is split in two. You see the spike protrude roughly three feet from your body. Jesus. You feel this horrible pull as gravity changes once again, and you are now held aloft, right side up, hanging on this spike. It's coming in horizontally from your back now. You see a pathway extend out of the voracious black expanse riddled with stars in front of you cobblestones weaving themselves together as if paved for one walk and one walk only, creating the path as the person walks down it. That same woman from before starts to walk towards you, still holding your heart dripping onto these stones, and as they leave, your blood falls into the void. She holds your heart She stops roughly five feet from you, and she turns to the left. She plucks one of the stars from the sky and weaves it in front of her with its light. She creates a trailing energy that she turns into a set of scales. She places your heart on one side of the scales. She turns around, and from nowhere you see... You see, she retrieves a small pillow, white, clean, fit for a coffin, and she places it on the other side of the scales. Fitting. The side of the scales that has the pillow drops heavily, like weights, like tons have been placed on that side of the scale. Your heart launches into the sky. She looks at it. Almost as if she was... That was the last thing she was expecting to happen. She tilts her head again. The same confused look that you saw before. It's hard to read beyond this mask, but you can discern when she's almost... not ready for what's going on. Which you can very much discern is not a normal interaction for her. Am I still on this spike? You are still impaled on the spike. Could you... Take me off, please, and we can talk. Maybe. (laughs) Fuck. She cocks her head in confusion and looks back at you as you say this, and she looks back at the heart in the sky. It's just floating there, maybe like three feet above the scales. They disappear, and the pillow floats and falls into the void. She looks back at you, responding to your words with an empty stare. It's okay. Use your words. Words are good. As she does look back at you, she reaches her hand out once again, the same way she did as the steeple became of her, and the heart floats back into her hand. You feel this unnatural sensation as you say, please. You feel the loss of control of your muscles. As you watch her grab your heart, you feel a tug. Your body begins to stratify 
And by what I mean by that is your skin and clothes stays on the spike. Three feet away from your skin and clothes, your musculature separates from your body. Oh, good. Three feet away from your musculature, your organs separate from your body. Great. Three feet away from your organs, your nervous system separates from your body. And three feet away from your nervous system, your bones separate from your body. You are completely in all of your your flesh, your blood, everything, stratified into five separate pieces. All of them coming off of this spike, floating in midair, a science experiment. She grabs your heart, moves to your organs, and places it back. Your bones attach to your nervous system, attach to your organs, attach to your muscles, re-impale themselves on your skin and the clothes. She looks at you again, tilts her head one more time. You feel an arm touch you from behind. It grabs at your chest pulling another grasping you on your face pulling you to the side another grabs your arm another grabs your leg everywhere all over your body arms start to come from behind you and pull you and impale you deeper and deeper and deeper onto this spike um can I move? Are my arms functioning you are, you with are, my spine you are in be, half? You are being pulled. Everything you can control is, is you can control everything normally, but these arms are currently grappling every piece of you, pulling you down. Um, I want to try and grab a card, and I want to try and cast a spell. Yeah, you try and grab a card. What do you cast? Uh, I'm going to cast um, Burning Hands Behind Me. Okay. Yeah. We're like grab the card, put my hands behind my back, yep. and just like try and shoot it. Okay, you grab the card, and as you try and cast the spell, you flick the card into your other hand, and as you do so, your aim is just not working. Whatever you use to like magically enhance your abilities is not connecting. Your magic is not coming to you. And you see the last thing that you see before being pulled deeper and deeper, hands covering your vision, completely encased in something dragging you down, is that card fluttering off into the distance. Her, Abaddon. You're waiting in the cell. It's been a couple minutes. Most recently, your adventures took you down through the waterfall beneath where your cells are and had you introduced to a man named Daroga. He gave you some hope for escape. You return back 
and you're sitting in the cell now. You're not sure when all of this is going to occur, but you know that there's something going on now. Something is changing. Things are moving. Pieces are falling into place. But for now, you sit here, sans your large robot friend, alone in the cell. What do you do? Well, I was going to say scream, but that's more me talking and not her. So <laughs> um, I think, are we just like back on our cots again? You're doing whatever you want. You can you can stand. In, so the wonder of D&D is that you can stand where you are, uh-huh. sit where you are, uh-huh. picnic where you are. You can do anything. I if want, you want to be on your cot, you're on your cot. I'm like laying on my cot, but like my head is propped up on my fist. I don't know how to describe this pose very well. You're just like, I'm relaxing. you're reclining? I'm reclining. Very. She's very obviously like, physically tense and she just looks over at Abaddon and says now what? Waiting. Is it always this tense? I don't know. I've never broken out of prison before. Well apparently we've tried a lot. Not that we can remember. Um Do you still have your your deck of cards? Um I do. Yeah. I mean no one took it from me so. Do you Want to teach me how to play? I mean, y- yeah, you want to play. <laughs> oh my god, the only game I know how to play is War. That seems oddly ironic. Well, let's lean into the irony then. Oh, okay. Abby, I'm really nervous. I know. Focus on the game. It, what are the rules? Oh, but there's things going on outside and people might die. People die every day. But the people that I care about, that I don't want to die. At least this time we have warning, though, huh? We look at the storm before it's here. Instead of in the past when it jumps at you. I think it does. I think prepping ourselves for the worst is one way that we'll be able to handle it when it gets here. Besides, we won't lose. We got this. Are you sure? course. I mean, like, I've only really known, like, a handful of people my entire life, and I really, I already had somebody taken away from me that I really wish didn't die, and if Shadow gets taken away from me, or you get taken away from me, I don't know what I'd do with myself. How do you do it? You don't have a choice. Well, I know that, but, like, how do you cope with it? Um... Because, like, all I've been doing is coping the entire time I've been in here. And I'm sorry if it's been kind of annoying. No, you're, if anything, actually, you've been somewhat refreshing to have around. She just, like, picks out her skin and she's like, yeah. Um, I told that sometimes. Is her sitting on her cot? She's reclining relaxedly, tensely. Uh, Abaddon will climb onto her cot with her and sit crisscross at the end. And, um... If I see the deck of cards, I'm going to reach for it and flip it over. Mm-hmm. Just the top one over. And I'm going to go, ah, uh, three. Oh, so, so now we're play, playing. Right? Fuck. Um, well, you have to divide the deck in half. Oh. And then we each take a half, and then we start playing cards, and whoever has the higher cost card gets to take both the cards. And then when we run out of cards, whoever has the most cards in their deck by the end is the winner. 
I'm going to split the deck in half and hand the bottom half to her and go, I didn't catch any of that, but here. (laughs) So we take two halves of a deck and we take the top card off the top of the deck and we put it down. And whoever has the highest number or the highest suit for king or queen or jack or whatever takes both the cards. Okay. And then if you have the biggest amount of cards, you win. As you both begin to play this game, you hear some movement outside and some far-off shouting of some kind. You're not sure of what, but you know something is going on somewhere else in the complex that seems energetic and out of place. You hear swift footsteps approaching your door, kicking at the gravel stone leading up to your cell. What do you do? Grab Abaddon's hand. Uh, I'm going to just stand up and watch the door. Okay. You see the slat quickly open, and a pale hand with a familiar class ring pops through and drops a scroll through it. He moves so swiftly away that he doesn't even close the slat. Um, I pick up the scroll. Uh, it has a small piece of twine of paper, a piece of twine that kind of rolls around it, and a piece of paper attached to it, tied up with a piece of twine. Is this a scroll? A spell scroll? I don't. I, I, I open I, it. I don't. You open it. Um, I, like, you you undo the hands. you undo the twine. You grab it. You uh, you uh, you do all that, and um, attached to it on the note it reads, "The time has been chosen for us. Now or never. Retrieve your things. Freedom awaits." Is that all it says? That's what the note says, not the scroll. Okay. The scroll. You look at it, and you start to read it. And you realize, her, make me an arcana check. Oh, God. And Abaddon, you can roll me an arcana oh. or a history check of your choice. Oh. Woof. That one. That's a woof for Abaddon. I don't can only go up I from here. No, yeah. Don't, don't even add your modifiers. It's okay. It's okay. I rolled a 23. Okay. Abaddon, for you, the, you know, your knowledge is in the natural. It's not oftentimes in the learned, the arcane, the crafted magic, right? It's more in the what nature allows you to produce, mm-hmm. right? Um, however, uh, her, you know, um, maybe at some point you had read through some some books in one of the um, one of the places that you've been in Ebonvale. You know that this spell is called knock, and it opens locks. Yo, her face lights up, and she just points at it. She like holds it up and then points at it with Abaddon and says, "This is how to get out." It's a spell that lets us open locked doors. Well, then open the locked door. <laughs> uh, what level is it? Uh, knock? Yeah. I can't remember. It's written. It's just on the scroll. It doesn't matter what, what level it is. C- is it unlimited uses? Can I discern that? No, it's it's a single time use. But spell scrolls burn up when you use them. Can I try and open the door? You walk over to the door. Yeah. And you begin reading your incantations. No, no, no. I just try and open the door. I don't read the Oh, oh, yeah. I you walk over to the door. You try it. and open the door, and it is just locked. She just goes, fucking hell. We're getting the map for Eden down. Sorry. We do have an actual map that Alan actually made. Like, I, I did do that, yeah. He detailed it with some really so, nice fountain pens. It's nice. As you hold this scroll, you look at the door. Your options start to become clear to you. You... Go into your minds. Think of what you must need to do. And you start formulating your plan. 
Hello guys, my name is Devin Green and this is The Innovative Creative, a podcast dedicated to helping designers and clients better understand design using an alternative way of thought. I've been designing for 16 plus years and I felt that people need this knowledge. Whether you are a new or an experienced designer, I can give you tips that can better help your design journey. I also know that clients sometimes have a hard time working with designers. This is my way to help clear the confusion. Join me on your favorite podcasting platform as I dive into design tips, communication tactics, and much more. I release episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on my website at innovativecreative.fm and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is proudly produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The Innovative Creative is free to listen to, but if you want bonus content and to support local creators, subscribe to LAS+. For more information on that, head on over to LASpodcastnetwork.com. LAS. In the deep, dark depths, in a podcast studio located in the heart of Cedar Rapids, there were two nerds sitting in a room, sweating profusely, talking about video games. And they were... Me, Craig Johnson. And me, Jackson Parker. And we are so excited to welcome you to our brand new video game podcast, Gaming Through the Generations. Locally produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network, every other Thursday we'll take one game and deep dive into the past, present, and future of that IP. We'll also play fun mini games on the show and fight to the death for our very lives. What now? And fight to the death for our very lives. Like, fight like the, the death, 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 death? Like a... Like a real... Like a very real... That was actually... That was Logan's one stipulation. It had to be real, visceral, physical death. Huh. Gaming through the generations! New episodes every other Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. To support our show and creators just like us, subscribe to LAS Plus. And for more information on that, visit laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. Is that it? That's it. I'm getting a nod. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Should we go play Smash? I want to go play Smash. Yeah, 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 let's go play Smash. Let's go play some Smash. <laughs> Lilith! Hi. Everybody, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a lovely new player here. Um, Camille. Uh, one more time, your last name. I'm Zabonic Hill. Zabonic Hill. That's I such know. a cool name. It's very Slavic. Yes, I love it. Yes. Um, you are playing a character for us named Lilith. I am. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, so, right now, Lilith is hanging out with her friend, Naomi, mm -hmm. in, uh, in Naomi's house. As we go into this house, it is a, um, it's moderately sized. However, there's a lot of windows. Right now, you are currently in Naomi's bedroom. Um, she has a large bed draped with uh, black curtains and um, many windows here. 
it's oddly high up. Even though, like, there's no stairs in this house, it's like you walk forward and it's on, like, maybe the second or third floor above the street below. The streets below are all kind of, like, for you, it's not a problem to see. But for mortal people, it would be weird to see the stone that almost moves. Like, the paved cobbles in the road change place over time almost imperceptibly like you blink and they're different as long as you're not perceiving them they're different but once you look they stay the same a vanity is against the far wall with mirrors that fold in and sitting there is Naomi however we're not really focused on her just quite yet why don't you describe to me what Lilith looks like? Lilith is currently, I'm assuming, maybe sitting on the bed across from the vanity. Yes, Lilith is sitting curled up cross-legged okay. on the bed. Yes. Um, and Lilith is currently in her preferred form. Yeah. Um, which is that of a young adult halfling. Yep. Um, curly wild hair yeah. everywhere. What color? Black. Okay. Um, and her eyes are very, very dark, almost okay. black as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, almost imperceptibly mm -hmm. brown. Um, she is. Um, you just get this this vibrational energy off of her. Mm -hmm. She is just antsy. She's an antsy human being. Yeah. Or what, is she halfling. fidgeting a lot? Like, yes. Yeah. She's drumming. Yeah. She's twitching. She's yeah. fiddling with her clothing, with her hair, with everything. Yeah. She's just a fidgety little thing. Yeah. So. Okay. Which, of course, she envies Naomi, her grace, yeah. and her Naomi poise as sits, she sits there. Exactly, at the vanity, yes. like these flowy movements coming off of her. Mm -hmm. Once again, as we've heard in the past, Naomi is a woman of extreme poise. She's got that lithe, ashen, white, elven form. She's got black eyes, um, and she has white locks that pull back, flowing over her shoulders. She takes her half mask, the one with the horns on it, and she takes it off and sets it on her vanity. Um, she's currently wearing her black lipstick, but it seems to have been smudged from something that has occurred recently. So she it starts to adjust her fingers across it and take some of the lipstick off. Uh, she licks one of her fingers and starts to smudge out the portions that are ruined. Uh, she grabs some lipstick off of the vanity and starts to reapply it. Um, Upon doing so, she starts to remove some of her other effects, right? Um, she takes her um, her coin and she places it down on the vanity and she takes her dagger from her back. She places that on the vanity. She takes her um, her shroud off, the, the one that looks like shadow, dripping shadow, and she places it on the back of the chair. As she stares into the mirrors, these curved mirrors that aim backwards towards you, she can see you in them. And she says to you, Lilith, um, how are you today? Oh, you know, hanging in. <laughs> um, I have to go back to a material uh, realm client today. Um, but, uh... I wanted to make sure that I uh, touched in with you and made sure that you were okay. 
Oh, yes, fine. Everything is fine. Why would anything be wrong? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I don't know. Have you, um... She starts to do some of her, her makeup. Um, she... Just annoys me. Just as, annoys the shit out as of me. She, she does this. As she, as she has taken her mask off, you see that she has no makeup around her eyes. She starts to do this black eyeliner around her eyes, and then she pulls a line across her nose and cheeks and then does these three dots beneath it in this interesting, intricate pattern. Uh, she's very meticulous. She almost measures it out perfectly on each side. This odd meticulosity that she has is almost unnerving. Um, she says... Lilith, have you uh, gotten your uh, material realm certification paperwork done? Um, I am working on it. Um, I'm almost done. I just need a few more signatures to um, to finish, and I will turn it in, I promise. You know that you cannot um, uh, create planar portals until you get it all finished up, yes? yes you cannot go to the material realm. Yes, I know. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I... I just want to make sure you are not falling behind. It has been, you know, 500 years and you have, you've not gotten it done. <laughs> I know. There, I mean, there was some paperwork that I was working on with... Um, for with, which one? Uh, which certification was that? Uh, uh, for, for the opening of the plane, thanks. Okay. Um, so I, I'm just having trouble. It's okay. I, I will work it out. <laughs> it's fine. Everything is fine. How did your uh, last ferrying go? It happened. Can you give me details on what is going on? Listen. Um, it was a child, okay? The children, they, they don't do what I want them to do. They run around. They, they, they're constantly looking for their mommies. And I am not a mom. I don't like children. I don't know what to do. Who were you for this child? You what? What is your? Are you still doing the um, walk with them thing? Yes, I'm trying. I'm trying to do the walk with them thing. Um, Why don't it, you just do the? You know. Because uh, I don't like the blood part. We have talked about this. Blood happens. I mean, you are a a farrier of death, and it is not something that you can get away from. You have blood everywhere. Okay, but I also don't understand why it needs to be so dramatic with the like spinning of the buildings and the impaling and the, you, I don't know why you do you this. You do know that that is just what they perceive. It's not what we go through. Uh, I know. But the, just, they, are, they are dying and that is just what they perceive. I don't choose what they see. Uh, I just... Why does it have to be so dramatic for everyone? Well, um, I mean, oftentimes mortals are very dramatic. But wouldn't it be nicer if if you showed up and, like, Grandma was there and then you just, like, took her hand and then you went and you got cookies not, or something? I do not have time for that. It's too much time, too much effort. And and it is too much for them to be... Uh, it takes too much effort to um, try and uh, be emotionally there with them like that. It is not worth our time. But how are they supposed to, like, process this huge transition. I mean, one minute you are breathing and you are, like, eating donuts, and then the next minute you are dead. I mean, it's not okay. They won't. They won't. Um, I mean, it is for only a short amount of time. They won't, they won't have that pain for a while. I mean, they are here for what? Ten minutes of their own time? I don't know. I don't know, Naomi. I just... It's... It's, it's, it's so rough, and it's so... It's unkind. What? It's so unkind. You carry too much with you, Lilith. You have to do this forever. And you cannot get weighed down by all of the emotions of the mortal people. It is too much for you to carry. You will drown in it at one point. You must learn to separate yourself. 
Yes, Naomi. <laughs> I know this. You have said. I believe in you, Lilith. But... <sighs> May... <clears throat> Why are you... She turns around, sitting at this vanity, and she gestures up and down to oh, your shit. form. And she just says, Why are you like this right now? It is comfortable for me. You looks your shadow guy form is so beautiful. I know, but it's not <laughs> It is what the goddess made you in. She made you in a perfect, beautiful form. Why do you choose this one? There was a ferrying, and I I feel connected to this form. You are holding on too tight, Lilith. Maybe. I don't know. You need to let it go. But Demia says we are supposed to be, like, guides and... and and so, like, loving, and we're supposed to, like, help them. And I don't know how, like, ripping their heart out of their chest, like, that helps them. Once again, that is simply what they perceive. It is not, it is very difficult for me to explain it until you do it. I mean, you haven't done it yet. So, I mean, you have to try it one time. If you don't, then how will you ever know? I, I cannot tell you that this is just, you know... I go in there and I go, oh, it's time to go. Goodbye. And then I send them on their way. And whatever they see is is like not what I am. I don't choose that. I like their, their, that their, their neurons are just firing like crazy. And they just go, ah! And then they die. That's it. That's what's happening. I don't create that. You know, but it's just... Do you have to, like, be so intimidating with, like, the, the black and the eyeliner and the, all the thing? I mean, isn't that nice little, like, you know, halfling, you know, I don't know. Why don't you just be whoever they need to be? Like, it, I it, don't know. It, it seems like a, a recipe to, um, it just seems like a recipe to carry extra weight. I it seems so. like a way to to hold on to emotions that are not my own. I suppose so. Do you feel like it has gotten easier or harder since you've started doing this? I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. She, She's going to roll an insight check. On <laughs> <that>. <laughs> oh, okay. It was a two. <laughs> <laughs> she looks over and she just looks at you and she kind of turns her head to the side like you've seen her do many <laughs> times before. She just kind of cocks her head to the side in this confused form. Don't look at me like that. Everything is fine. Look, if, I have a fairy in this so. afternoon. I will be fine. It will be fine. I'm going to keep doing the changeling thing. And if it does not work for me, then I will try it your way with the blood and the scales, okay? okay? I, once, once again... It is literally not what I say. It is not I what I do. I understand that part. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to... Um... Naomi. Uh, sorry. Lilith. That is sorry. your name. This is like the first time I am doing this character, so I'm <laughs> trying to get into it very well, yes? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lilith, I want to be very clear. I appreciate you so much. I, I love that you hang out with me and you just relax with me and you make me feel... Even even when I don't agree with all of your methods, I appreciate you. 
I mean, it is nice to have a different um, opinion. And it is nice to have someone who is not afraid to tell me what they actually feel. I'm sure it is hard. I don't have your perspective because I have been here for um, hundreds of thousands of years. You are very old. I will never tell. I am incredibly old. It is quite, quite tiring. Mm. You, You are young. And it is sometimes very difficult for those who are old to see how you see. So it is nice to have you around. Perhaps I am wrong, but... I think someday you will be tired of, of carrying the weight of thousands of people. Everyone who dies comes through us, and it is too difficult to keep every single one of them in your heart. If I do not, who will? It is a mortal saying that you die twice. Once when you perish, and the second when your memory leaves that of a mortal being for the last time. The people who exist on the material plane, they are the ones that carry that. The soul is not one simple thing. It is a split amalgamation of all the effects that the mortal has on the plane. Every time they create a memory for someone else, it is a piece of them lasting on forever in the world. That is what they leave. That is the people's job. That is their job to persist that out into the world. We cannot keep that. Where do we give it? Where do we go? I have others to check on. I'm sorry. I, I have a busy day. I have another... Um, I need to check on some other failures. I have a, um, a, a material uh, realm appointment today. I have to go to the material realm and talk to this... This being. It's annoying. It's very atrocious. Um, <laughs> so I shall go and check on a couple of the uh, other failures. Um, will you walk with me to the, to the, um, the street? All right. Okay. She, I will hop up from the bed and clamber down in my plunk half down, plunk. yes, yes, under the ground, um, just as gracefully as I can. Yes, of course. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you walk out into the, the the foyer, and there are two other rooms that kind of branch off here. You know there to be a, a reading room where uh, Naomi keeps some of her books, um, and a office where she keeps her work table and things of the sort. There's it's. I mean, as much as the fanciness of these houses that you all have are, I mean, there's no, like, restrooms. No one uses the bathroom here, right? There's not a lot of hallways because, like, you don't have a lot of rooms that you need, right? So it's very minimal, but it's still quite nice abodes, right? Um, I mean, there's no, like, the bed is there just for, like, reclining, but, like, no one freaking sleeps here. So, like, what's the point of actually having a bed? It's almost like an odd comfort in a way, right? Um, you go to the door. Outside, you see her close it, lock it up, and she pulls the silver thread across the front of it. You can tell that she is casting an alarm spell. And as she does so, you hear the wails of the common specters that are existing out in this space of death very far away, just this very low... (laughs) 
It, like all over the place. It is always unnerving to it you. It still freaks me out. Yeah. As much as I try to be professional and do my job, yeah. it still I mean, freaks me out. They've been around here forever and they never go away. They're always here. They're just like always floating through the sky in these disembodied forms. She casts that alarm spell on her door and she looks to you and she says, Lilith, I believe you will get this eventually. I have faith in you. Thank you. I do hope you are right. I know I am. You will... I think you are uh, destined for great things. Thank you, Naomi. She kneels down, and in like a, a moment of her kind of accepting that this is your comfortability... She kneels down to your halfling form and she hugs you. She pulls you in, she hugs you. Um, and she rests her hand on the back of her head and just kind of pulls you into the space under her neck. Um, this is, I mean, Naomi, Naomi really cares about you, right? This is very obvious. She doesn't allow a lot of people in her house. Like when she goes to check on other farriers, she goes to their houses, right? It's almost like a boss checking up on someone. She she really cares about you. It's very plain to see. She doesn't express it always, but in this moment, she's letting a guard down. She's really expressing it. She lets go, and she says, All right, um, my apologies. I must get going. All right. Thank you for lunch today. Um, I appreciate it. I will turn in the papers, I promise. Um, yes. I will make you proud. I, I do want to do well. I hope you know. How many signatures do you have already? Uh, 14. You do know that you need 542, right? Yes. I believe in you. <laughs> she turns around and she starts walking down the road. <laughs> oh, God. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. LAS.